It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> You're trying to escape. Oh my. Okay, we got to post the link to that on this uh, video because people need to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Where does this idea come from? Oh, I want to take a chainsaw with no blade or chain what? and just rev it for people. <laughs> Wouldn't that make you run faster? <laughs> yes. I think it would, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hello, hello. Hey, we are back on the Gotta Run Racing Podcast. You betcha. It's that time of year when there's not as much happening in the ultra world. It seems it's winding down a little bit. In our neck of the woods. Yeah, but how about Camille's new record at Spartathlon this past weekend? Let me read it to you. Okay. She finished third overall. A 153-mile course, she bested the previous record by more than two hours to finish in 22 hours, 35 minutes, 30 seconds. First woman to ever finish under 24 hours. <laughs> Unbelievable. And also, uh, that's incredible what she does, but Jim Walmsley has also won Nice. And that's oh, a, did he? And that's a ticket to Western. So, oh, I hadn't heard that. So therefore... He it, did Nice... What, less than a month after UTMB? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. So therefore, is that is he going back to Western? Who knows? I don't know. We did hear him say that he would love it if the big names in the ultra world would choose a different race to go to and focus on for a change. Other than what? Other than UTMB. Oh, wow. Yes. So... Speaking of UTMB, <laughs> my, oh. my mug that I'm still paying for... <laughs> <laughs> and your finisher vest. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm only going to be wearing it at home. Uh, probably, <laughs> but pretty fancy. Okay. I said that for us. Who's on the podcast today? Today, we have Aaron Shimmons. He's 45, originally from Northern Ireland, and now he spends his time between London and Chamonix. Nice. He's a content creator on both YouTube and Instagram, and his videos focus on his running adventures, shoe and race reviews, and is called I Run Over Mountains. I like that. That's catchy. Yep. He's actually run in several editions of UTMB, and this year he was in the thick of things, filming the leaders from one aid station to the other and recapping each day. A couple weeks previous, though, he completed the Swiss Alps 100, that includes over 10,000 meters of climbing. So we'll find out how he was able to keep up to the... the it sounds like that race is even harder than UTMB. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> uh, we'll chat about that and more. And without further ado, here's Aaron coming up. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Canada. And we're wondering if you've ever been here or raced here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to have a chat. I'd been to Canada once, I think it was about, it was mid-90s, flew back from the Caribbean via Toronto. Okay. And uh, we had a two or three day stopover, so a long, long time ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would love to go back, uh, probably Vancouver, Banff, something like that might be more my cup of tea at this yep, point. Yep. But uh, yeah, the, Canada looks beautiful, but also a lot of bears there. <laughs> oh, they're more scared of us than we are of them. Right. And, you know, I'm from Ireland, and uh, it's very easy to just go out into the mountains, go fast packing. I've kind of always said, like, the, the only thing you have to worry about, and that's only in pockets of Ireland, is ticks. That's it. <laughs> there's, wow. there's nothing, I mean, there's no snakes, there's nothing poisonous, there's no poison ivy, there's no poison plants right so it's uh it's really it's really safe place where you can just kind of roam free as well <laughs> and then i obviously run all all around the world and uh you know one of the first things you nearly do is what's dangerous here what i need to know is out there you know so um yeah we get a little bit spoiled over here i think yeah definitely you do let's go back to the very beginning how did you get started in running or ultra running you you decide what where you want to go back to yeah, my running sort of, I came from hiking into into um, mountain running, so I've never really been a, a road runner or, or really a trail runner either. I just started hiking with my dog in the mountains, and it was introduced to me 
through kind of school. I did uh, what's known as the Duke of Edinburgh Award, which is sort of like, uh, it's a thing that's in the UK and in Northern Ireland, and it teaches sort of high school kids navigation and mm. go camping and set up tents and, and this type of stuff. And that was my entry into hiking. And then I didn't pick it up again until uh, after university. Okay. So early 20s and started hiking with my with my dog at the time. And I saw a couple of guys running down the side of a mountain one day. And I was just, what are they doing? That looks <laughs> really cool. And I, I looked it up online and, and saw that there's this mountain running sport and, and fell running is what they called it. And you needed to be able to navigate as well as running the mountains. So I started running uh, and running in the mountains and I used to get lost all of the time, <laughs> but I was sort of practicing my navigation and map and compass work and things like that. And two years later, I had enough courage to sign up for my first uh, fell race. And it's very low key type of affair, you know, a little bit like the American sort of trail scene. It's very homegrown sort of atmosphere, very friendly. And I remember uh, standing in a queue to pay for this race entry, which is three pounds, like four or five dollars or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> and this person was sitting in the boot of their car, in the trunk of their car, taking the money and taking your name and giving you a bib. <laughs> and a couple of couple of the guys in the in the in the queue, you know, you know, have you done this race before? Where are you from? Blah blah blah. Long story short, they invited me to their club training on a Thursday night. And the rest is history. That wow. was me in with both feet and a group of peers around me to tell me all these fascinating stories of what's possible. And <laughs> the imagination just takes it from there. Yeah. Fell running kind of terrifies me because fall is in the, the name. <laughs> and when we see videos of it, it just likes looks like bumpy cow patches and i don't know it, it sounds terrifying like it's, total it's a, ankle it's a twisted record. ankle ready to happen <laughs> yeah it does strengthen your ankles just the the doing of it and it's not like ultra or marathon or even half marathon fell races are generally anything from sort of three four miles to maybe 15 miles mm. that was very long uh, race so they're, they're they're short and sharp yeah generally it's straight up straight down or or a variation of that and a lot of the mountains in the uk and in ireland i don't i'm going to touch wood now because i do not want to go out and uh, and take a fall but a lot of the mountains are quite grassy and that's why they're sort of called well i think it's it relates to the word to the fells the, the style of mountain they're not rocky and rugged and craggy mm -hmm. Yes, they right. exist, but a lot of the times I've fallen in a fell race and you can nearly do a forward roll and land back on your feet and just keep going. And <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. But uh, yeah, sometimes you, you, you take a hit as well. But As long as you're falling forward. It's the thought of it that's worse than the doing. <laughs> I meant to ask what part you're from. I'm from um, just outside Belfast in, in Northern Ireland. Okay. Uh, and I sort of left there... About five years ago. Oh, that's it. Uh, wow. I, I, I moved from Ireland, yeah. Uh, but I've always sort of traveled, traveled a lot. Yeah. Mm. I have a thing with Ireland. I'm a huge U2 fan. So I've been there a few times and I just, I love your accent. I love the people. <laughs> so friendly. I think it's one of the best places. <laughs> it is a friendly place compared to a lot of places. Uh, the people are generally helpful and it's something that I that I miss, even in, in London or, or when I was living in New York and, and things. You go out for a run and people will look the other, other way or they'll look at the ground or whatever. If you're running in Ireland and you run past a dog walker, uh, another runner, there's an acknowledgement 90% of the time, a hello, a, a wave, a nod of the head or something like that. So. Yeah. 
you sort of take it for granted until you've moved away. But yeah, I can say now that yes, it is a friendly place. <laughs> well, that's what we do here in Canada as yeah, well. Yeah, for the most part, you'll 90% of the time, you'll get the acknowledgement. <laughs> and if you don't, you're kind of like, what's up with that? What's, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> He's having a bad run. <laughs> we get offended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I mean, you still get a little bit more... In England, you'd still get it a little bit, and if you're in the mountains running, mm. I guess it's maybe just there's it's, it's maybe a bit more of a closer knit feel to it mm. or a smaller community that. But uh, yeah, I I miss that um, just on the on the the everyday runs which we're putting in on roads and canals and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're no stranger to ultra running. You've done UTMB a couple of times, but just recently you did the Swiss Alps 100 which is yeah. not an easy one. What drew you to that race? I was looking for a race that was a hard rock qualifier. Yeah. And also, um, it's not the main reason, but it was a big reason <laughs> for put, turning me on to this race. And then whenever I looked into it and did a bit of, a, bit of research, and I went and holidayed in the region for a little bit, uh, just to see some of the trails and don't take offense. I know Canada is beautiful, but I think Switzerland is the most picturesque country in the world. Yes. Everywhere you look, there are just the most beautiful views. And that was really a big motivator. I go into the mountains and run on the mountains because of the environment and, and how it looks. And uh, Switzerland is up here in terms of in terms of uh, quality of trails and, yeah. and views. Mm. So that was the, that was a big motivator. And it's a, a hard rock qualifier. It's a states qualifier. <laughs> These things are hard to come by in Europe. Yep. <laughs> that race claims to be the longest and hardest race of Swiss Alp. And now that you've finished it, because that's ten thousand feet of climbing, forty nine hours to complete. Now that you've finished it, is there any truth to that? That it's one of the hardest. 10,000 meters, not 10,000 Oh, right, 10,000 uh, meters. God, what am I saying? <laughs> 10,000 meters of climbing, yes. UTMB is the closest barometer I have for that. Similar stats, UTMB is 10K longer and a little bit more climbing. But now that I've run the Swiss, the Swiss 100, there's actually a little flattish section in part of it, around 80 kilometers. There's, there's a couple of pieces which maybe total about eight miles that are flattish. Mm. So if you take that out, the vert's actually squeezed into 150k, <laughs> which makes it even steeper. But yeah, I don't know. It's very hard to compare it to a UTMB because there's, I don't know, 300 people or something in the, in the Swiss Alps race. Mm. It just has this sort of very good community feel to it. Straight off the bat, it was about a K on roads, and then you're onto the trail, and it was a 12 or 1300 meter climb over seven kilometers. Ooh. So, big climb. Now, if that had been in UTMB, it would have been oh, the conga line, conga, and, yeah. and people would have been getting frustrated by the pace and all this sort of stuff. Whereas, we all just dropped into single ish file. And we're able to go whatever pace that we wanted. If you wanted to pass somebody or, or someone to pass you, there was room to do it. Mm. It was just, it felt really relaxed and, and fun. And the weather was amazing. That makes a big difference. Mm. I've done so many races <laughs> that have had storms and bad rain and hail and things like that. So to do a race and the only problem was that it was hot and there was a lot of vert. Uh, it was, I would highly recommend it. As long as you get the weather. <laughs> yeah, because in this race, you run past a glacier and you go over three suspension bridges. Hopefully you didn't get to see that at night or not see it. Yeah, I got to see all of that in daylight. And yeah, so the, the, the glacier is, is on your way to the 50k aid station. And it is spectacular. Mm. You know, normally you see the, you, you run close to a glacier and you see the glacier and in a, in a, you're bypassing it or, or, or whatever. This is the largest glacier in Switzerland. Okay. It's absolutely massive. And the race course runs on this trail and it runs the, it not, doesn't run the length of the glacier because the glacier is so big, but it ran along the edge of the glacier, went down to close to the glacier, 
it must have went on for kilometers wow, that you nice. were just running along the glacier and I stopped for a minute just to listen to it because I kept hearing these noises. You could hear the, the ice cracking and moving. Mm. It was it was very good. And I was coming along there just around, um, coming towards sunset, so maybe in, in the hour before sunset. So the views were just amazing, Re- really, really good. And the suspension bridges, Two of the suspension bridges were before that, and one of them was around 60-ish K. So, again, I got that in daylight too. <laughs> Some people didn't like them. You know, you're, <laughs> they're bouncing. It's in the rules. You're not allowed to run on the bridges. You have to walk along them because they, they move so much. There's so much oscillation in, in, wow. in the bridge. But, again, just amazing views. Did not disappoint in that, in that sense. Wow. Well, you're going to be putting a video of this race on your YouTube channel. Yeah, so I filmed some most. I filmed most of the race, and I was there a few days before the race, so I was able to get some sort of drone footage and, and things of the various sections. So the plan is there will be a race video coming out. The race director just emailed me a couple of, couple of days ago, asked me when's this coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> But these t- these things take a bit of time to put together, yep. um, so I expect it's going to be out within probably uh, this month, as in at some point in October. Very nice. good. We'll look forward to seeing that. Yeah, and also the organizers give anyone who finishes under twenty four hours a special silver buckle. But nobody got under twenty four hours <laughs> this year. Nobody has ever got under twenty four so, wow. hours. Wow! That sounds challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the course record is about four hours slower than 24 hours. Yeah. So uh, I don't think that 24-hour buckle, is sub-24-hour buckle is going to be handed out uh, anytime soon. I mean, you probably can just hold off on that order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm surprised none of the uh, local guys have taken that on because there's lots of people that would be capable of it. Yeah, well, if you think about the course record at UTMB, being set by the best of the best, and let's just round it to 20 hours. So the Swiss Alps 100, maybe if Killian or Jim run it, that they're going to get some, obviously they're going to get some 24, maybe they're going to get 20 hours or, or in that region, but it's not, it hasn't attracted that level of elite athlete. No. So the times are not there. No. Mm. Well, hopefully in... In the future, there will be. Well, I would, <laughs> I would love to see someone break 24 there one day. That would be something special. <laughs> the race is, is gaining momentum, and the, the word is out that this is a special, a special route and a great sort of community feel. So I think I just saw a post a couple of days ago from uh, Jacob, the race director, that within a few hours or a day or something, they've they sold half of the entries, mm. and last year it took three months to sell the same wow. amount of entries. Okay. Wow. So, hence the reason why he's looking for your uh, video. Your video. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to promote it. <laughs> well, you know, I make these videos because that's the type of stuff that I enjoy to consume on YouTube as well, and I think he that's that's where he's coming from too. Sure. He likes a good race video. Uh, so yeah, I think it's might be some personal interest there as well. <laughs> now you've uh, participated in several of the UTMB races, including the big one twice, CCC, TDS. When did your love affair with Chamonix begin? Yeah, it started with uh, CCC, and going back to the previous, the earlier story about joining the Fell Running Club, there was a. Uh, it's just to, to join a, a, an athletics club in the UK and Ireland is very different than uh, in, in, in America or Canada or in, in some of the European countries because we don't have this sort of collegiate system where people are getting into running and then coming out, coming out the other end of that system and getting into races and things. So we have a lot of amateur clubs mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of the information is, is shared from your peers and people that have done these things before you. And I'd never heard of UTMB. I'd never heard of ultra running. I never heard about fell running until I was a hiker and, <laughs> and then looked it up. So whenever I joined the, the fell running club, uh, I met lots of different people and 
there was one guy, and we used to call him Long Distance Fred. <laughs> and at the time, Fred was at least in his 60s. And he had done all of these ultras and he was doing all of these 100 milers and he would tell the stories. And that's that it was from people like Fred that I heard about ultra running and UTMB. And that inspired me to search out how do you qualify for this? <laughs> and back then, okay, we didn't, we didn't have to get stones, but you still had to get a certain number of points over, uh, over three races. Mm-hmm. And so I set off on a two-year plan to get the ITRA points to qualify for the lottery for the CCC. And uh, I got in first time wow. in CCC, and I got in first time the following year in the TDS. I applied the third year, and I did not get in on the first attempt, but I tried. And so within a four-year period, I completed CCC, TDS, and UTMB. Nice. Oh, wow. Nice. Hmm. And that inspired you to spend more time in Chamonix to do your training? Is that how you ended up? Yeah. My first time in Chamonix was with CCC mm-hmm. in 2014 or 2015. And I just was blown away by how magical this place was, how steep the trails uh, are and the views. You know, the mountains in Ireland, uh, which is all I had seen at the time, yeah, you've got some steep grades, but they are not, they don't go on for miles. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go to my local range, which is the Moor Mountains, and look up like this all of the time. Whereas you'll know yourself that whenever you're in Chamonix, you could simply just look up at the sky all day <laughs> or just sit there with a coffee and a baguette and just look up yep. because it just looks so amazing. That was the first experience I had of Chamonix and uh, I fell in love with it. And uh, my wife and I ended up buying a property there some years after that because I've been going back there ever since. <laughs> I go there prior to buying somewhere. We, would all, we also started to go there in winter for skiing as mm. well. So just love the place. Yeah. Well, you definitely have a leg up on your training when you live in a place like that because... For so many people that come in to do that race, there's you can't replicate it wherever you live. <laughs> it's next to impossible. Yeah, so yeah. There's a huge advantage to being in that environment. You don't even have to get acclimatized. You're just ready, ready to go out the door and get it done. Yeah, I just think that the steepness and the technicality of those trails in, in the valley just build strength. Mm-hmm. And you're building strength every day just on on your normal daily run i went out this year at the start of april and i stayed in chamonix until uh the start of july after month one marathon and then my wife and i went on holidays but we stayed in the alps and it i think i saw it's the longest period that i've spent just in those mountains in in one go and i certainly saw an increase in my climbing speed mm. and that was just from from leg strength yeah. i go out for a run in london and get in 10 miles i, I, I 16k i might get 40 meters of climbing <laughs> so yeah you're building your run, running economy but i would go out and do uh, 12k in chamonix a couple of hours and 6k is uphill and a thousand meters of climbing and that's your <laughs> That's your bread and butter daily run. Yeah. I mean, I did way too much vert when I was there, <laughs> but I was training for the Swiss Alps 100. Yep. It worked out all, all okay. Are you hoping to do all of the events at UTMB at some point? Get all the distances in? Well, they keep adding more races. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up with that. I, have a, I did apply for the lottery for OCC last year and didn't get in and that was the last year you could apply for a race without stones mm. so i got stones earlier on this year i don't know if i'm going to apply in the next lottery but i would like to go back i would like to run ccc again i'd like to run utmb again i think next year i will 
maybe just do the um, the marathon distance, the MTC. Because if you have a, a post, if you have an address in the in the valley, you can oh, okay. you can enter that race. So there's no lottery or ah, anything like that. Okay. So I also think U10B week is much better if you don't have to run for a day. A day, <laughs> it's way more fun than sitting trying to keep your feet up, race nerves whenever all of this buzz and excitement's going on. So I will go back and race those races, but um, and I'd love to do OCC, but. You know, will I get round to to applying for that again? I don't know. You're so right about that because we got to you to Chamonix and Norm said, I don't want to do anything this week. I'm gonna put my feet up and relax. And we started looking at our Instagram and then started looking at the schedule. All these shakeout runs popped up and come and meet this person and come and do yoga, which we know that you uh, vlogged on your channel. I run over mountains. You were you were doing all the <laughs> the shakeout runs too. It's so much hype, and you can easily get wrapped up in it. But for the crew and the families, it was amazing. And we ran into people that were just there to spend the week in Chamonix because of the hype. To get the free shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got them. <laughs> yeah, we did too. The Adidas. It was worth standing in line for two hours. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got the craft shoes. I didn't go for the uh, the Tarek shoe. Mm. I didn't. I just thought there's less chance of getting a pair of those. <laughs> Funny thing is, is we were we were there to do the run with uh, Compress Sport. It was right beside the Adidas store, and then we're like, "Well, what's that lineup for?" And someone said, "Oh, we're, we're lining up to get a free pair of shoes." So we're like, "Okay, say goodbye to the socks. Let's wait for the shoes." <laughs> it was so worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so you both got a, got uh, a pair of the prototype shoes. Yep. We did. Yep. We did. And Norm's been oh, running in them actually. Cool. And I'm a size 13. And you like them? One left. Oh yeah. I I have not worn an Adidas in 15 years at least. And I put these on, going, wow, they actually wide foot. They fit. Yeah, they fit. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I've never I've never owned a, a, an Adidas shoe. Until last year, I bought the Terex Soft Ground Pro, which is it's like a fell running shoe, mm. and it's really well made, super light. But uh, the prototype shoe, it does look good. I would like to, <laughs> I'd like to have a go on that. I'm a wee bit jealous. So you were you were taking in all the hype that week as well, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. So I went out this year with the idea of doing daily daily blogs for the channel. I've never I've never tried that before. Radio production takes a long time. Yep. <laughs> so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a, a mission to try and make things more efficient and capture what happens during the week and some of the race as well. I was crewing for an elite runner in UTMB, so I thought that would give some perspective on on that as well. Or at least it would feed into do a couple of the vlogs mm -hmm. uh, and be a bit of fun. So yeah, that was all good to do. Normally, I just do a race video whenever I'm at UTMB. Uh, I can say I would, I would maybe do the, the daily vlogging again for something like that. Mm. The footage you took of Courtney at the Col de la for class for class. That was amazing, especially the fast forward when they all trying to keep up with her. <laughs> uh, the fans go crazy. I don't remember that part of the course. I, I must have ran through it at night or something. But what kilometer mark was that of the course? So that is a couple of kilometers before Trion. So it's probably about 130, 130 something kilometers. So I, I must have got that early morning. So yeah, I, I've only been there sleep deprived and in the dark so that was the only time that's the first time i've seen it in daylight as well because even in the ccc i was coming through there in dark as well so yeah it was it was new for me seeing that but the thing was you know i was there on for two days at the call before class and during ccc whenever the the leaders were coming through there was next to no buzz there was very little crowd Yes, there was pockets of three, four people and they were cheering and there was cowbells. But 24 hours later, whenever 
the leaders of UTMB are coming through. There's hundreds of people there. You know, <laughs> wow. There's horns, there's chainsaws, there's trumpets, <laughs> cowbells. It was just a, an absolute party. It was it was crazy. And the fans were just they were just going nuts. Have you checked out our virtual series yet? We run the North. Celebrating Canada's national parks features a total of 13 10 kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Medals that connect, license plate style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit gotterunracing.com for more details. The, the trail came up to the Call de Four class and then it kind of went round back and then dropped down to Treon. So there was this, there was a bit of a hill between. And you know that's coming. That's after the the bovine section, which is mm. uh, it's a basically there's a lot of farming there. So this field is like covered in cow pats. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the elite runners would come through one part of the uh, would come up to the call. Everyone would go crazy, and then if it was a crowd favorite, everyone would run over the hill to see them, to cheer for them again on the next bit. But there was people slipping in, in, in cow dirt or dodging it. It was like running through a minefield. I only did that a couple of times, but, you know, there was such a buzz. It was, it was good fun. There should be a camera on the fans running over that hill. That alone is a, is a, like an a viral. It'll go viral on, <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah, could they? <laughs> you just settled something too, because when Norm showed me that video that you posted, we looked at this one guy holding a thing and he's, is that a chainsaw? I said, it can't be a chainsaw. It was a chainsaw just to make yeah, a noise. Was, I, I could hear this noise of the chainsaw and I couldn't see where it was coming from. And then that, um, I just happened to be close to him at this one, at this one point. And I turned around when I heard the sound because I thought somebody was, you know, how you get the megaphones and you press the button and there's the sound of a bomb dropping or the sound <laughs> of, a, you know, fireworks or whatever. It was a proper chainsaw that just had the, the blade and chain removed. So whenever Courtney or Matthew Blanchard or whoever was getting the big cheers, he would start up the chainsaw and start revving it. <laughs> you can imagine running with a chainsaw. It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> You're trying to escape. Oh my. God. Okay, we got to post the link to that on this uh, video because people need to watch it. Yeah. Where does this idea come from? Oh, I'm going to take a chainsaw with no blade or chain what? and just rev it for people. Wouldn't that make you run faster? <laughs> yes. I think it would, yeah. <laughs> now, had you just waited five minutes longer, you could have got me on camera running. Oh, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I meant 45 hours later. <laughs> <laughs> now when everything is calmed down uh the village the expo is disassembled everyone starts to leave chamonix do you go a little bit of a depression or how could you with Montblanc everywhere the monday after utmb some of the shops just close and they go on holidays <laughs> or they close for the season uh utmb week is a bigger week it's the biggest week of the year in chamonix uh, bigger than Christmas, uh, bigger than New Year, uh, which is the second biggest um, sort of occasion. So a lot of shops just close, and coffee shops close, and it's a, it turns into a bit of a ghost town by the time you get to Tuesday. But mm. the, the trails are still there. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure the locals are happy to get their trails back. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people sort of bittersweet that gets so busy during UTMB, but then the businesses are so yeah. appreciative of it as well. But yeah. Right. Now, moving on, you've done a few big races uh, stateside, including Bigfoot 200 and North Face Challenge. What would you say having raced in both continents is the biggest difference between the ultra scene in terms of whether race organization or how they set up aid stations, crewing and all of that. What do you, what would you say are the bigger differences? Um, plaid shirts and handheld. <laughs> yeah. Plaid shirts and what? Sorry. Handheld water bottles. Oh yes. Yes. 
Yep. <laughs> Mandatory gear. What's yeah. that? <laughs> um, yeah, there is there's a big difference, but it does feel very there's a, there's a familiarity to the North American trail scene. Um, and I, I sort of alluded to it earlier on. It has this sort of home homely small feel to it. And you know, there's smaller numbers in in a lot of those races compared to Europe. And even compared to you know, there's quite there's some pretty big ultras and trail races in the UK. So mm-hmm. if you compare the the smaller sort of fell races uh, to American trail races, I think there's a big similarity there. You know, it's welcoming uh, sort of family sort of feel to it, very friendly. Mm. And that's something that I really uh, loved about racing racing in America. But also uh, a connection back to the UK and Ireland because we uh, all share the English, English language. You still, you meet people in the American races that become really good friends, just how you would if you're racing in England or Ireland or, or anywhere in the UK. That's not really what I've experienced if you're racing in France and Switzerland and, and Italy and mm. you know all these other places that I've, I've raced. Just because there's this language barrier, you don't create the same bond right. with people. So yeah, that, that's, that's something that I, uh, that's, that's how I feel about those races. Mm. You've been trying to get into, well, you're getting tickets to Hard Rock. How long have you, have you been trying to get into Hard Rock? I started doing Hard Rock qualifiers in 2017. Okay. Mm. So I've applied for the lottery, I think, four times. Uh, it's, it's historically been difficult to, to get a qualifier in Europe. Some of the qualifiers that we have here are more difficult than hard rock <laughs> <laughs> which so, sounds ridiculous so, when you say it like that <laughs> so when you get into hard rock you should have no problem yeah with well i mean it's it, these races are difficult regardless they, they are a real <laughs> yeah. adventure and uh, they take a long time but the hard, the european hard rock is was a, a a term that was given to a race called ronda del sims in Andorra, now, it's no longer in existence. They uh, they went bust over um, the pandemic, but that race was 170 kilometers with 13 and a half thousand meters of climbing. Mm-hmm. And the course, if you think about the course record of UTMB being around 20 hour mark, the course record in Ronda del Sims was around 30 hour mark, and there was elite runners that had raced this race. Wow, my God. Wow. Uh, hmm. Have you been trying to get into Western as well? Not with the same appetite. I would like to do States just uh, because it's a special race and I hear the atmosphere and the experience is great, but it's not a race that not really suit my strengths. It's not really a, a race that if it was didn't have all of the fanfare and buzz about it, it's not one that would pro- I would probably go for. Mm. I like the races that are remote and way out there in the mountains and uh, that's ten, tends to be what I what I look for whenever I'm planning my, my big race of the summer. Mm. Well we've got one for you in uh, out west it's called the Divide 200 it just took place a couple weeks ago and it's the the only 200 miler in Canada it's pretty remote I think there were sections that were what 30k between water stations sometimes 60k i think yeah so but check it out they're a a well-established company called sinister sports they also do the the um, canadian death race but check it out i think that would be right up your alley because there's a fair amount of vert in that too and you start in alberta you cross into bc and you come back into alberta you get to see a lot and you get to run into bears and mountain lions which is amazing (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's that maybe i'll just uh you know, stew on that one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of that race, and uh, th- I think this was its first its first running was this year, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so I, I I have looked into that. Uh, <laughs> I would love to go back and do another another two hundred, and I was actually meant to go back and run 
Bigfoot and Moab mm. in 2020, the year after I, I did Bigfoot 200, mm. because I had such a great experience at that and really enjoyed the remoteness of it. But there was this little thing happening <laughs> across the planet and the borders weren't open in, into America. So um, I lost my entry fee for both races. Wow. I lost the flight, um, transatlantic cost of a flight. So I'd probably like get grand in the hole at that. Oh, wow. and, that uh, hurts. I, that have, hurts. I haven't got over it enough to uh, <laughs> get that sort of money on an entry fee. So uh, yeah, obviously I, I've lived in America since. But because I was, wasn't living in a, in a mountainous region, I decided to do more runnable American races rather than go for the, the 200s. But um, I would love to do big for 200 again, but I don't think it's, uh, it's going to happen. Mm. Well, what's next for you? Have you signed up for anything? I haven't signed up. I'm one of these types of people that sort of, I think about something, and then I put it, put it away and come back to it a second time to just make sure, am I sure about that? If I'm going to be living in Europe next year, which I'm not 100% sure at this stage, but if I was confident that I could spend a lot of time in the Alps, then I would look at uh, the Tour de Jean mm-hmm. in, in Italy. That's a race that I'd love to do. And I maybe would have tried to uh, do it this year if I had been in, um, if I knew I was going to be in Chamonix from April, but it was sort of last minute decision to, to be there that long. Right. But I'm keen to do some uh, more sky races next year. Mm-hmm. So I like races that are really technical, races that maybe have some ropes, <laughs> races that would scare quite a lot of people. <laughs> um, so there's a race that happens every two years in Italy called uh, Trofeo Kima. Mm-hmm. And that is my number one race that I want to try and get into for next year. You have to put in an application. There's limited numbers. And uh, if I don't get into Trofeo Kima, then maybe I put an entry into Tour de Jean. I can't do them both at the same time because Trofeo Kima happens the exact same weekend as UTMB. Wow, uh, okay. Okay. Huh, wow. Well. We have a sky race here in Canada as well, just saying. <laughs> Meet the Minotaur. <laughs> yeah, the, the Minotaur, yeah. That looks really, that looks like a really cool route. It, really in fact, a lot of, yes, a lot of the elites who run it say it's deemed one of the hardest of sky running series. So, interesting. <laughs> Very technical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's my sort of thing. I mean, I'd love to do something like the, the Rod 50K as well. That, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a race mm-hmm. that I'd love to go to. So let's move on to your YouTube channel. Uh, how did you get into content creating? I did. I get into content creating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this goes back a, a long, a long way. I think I uploaded my first uh, running with my dog uh, in the mountains video in two thousand and nine. Oof! I think I saw it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a long, long time ago. You know, there wasn't much video. Uh, there wasn't much post production done. I know that the soundtrack was a was a Neil Neil Young tune, <laughs> which uh, which YouTube then stripped out because I haven't the uh, the copyright to have it on there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't quite know what the early motivation was to do that, but I do know that my inspiration in maybe the late mid to late teens would have been stuff that uh, Jamil was doing, Jamil Curry. Okay. I used to love the, the Run Steep uh, Get High vlogs. Yes. And uh, I was doing some of the races that he was doing around the same time. And he did that race, Ronda Del Sims, that I mentioned, the European Hard Rock race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did TDS. So we, we were kind of like bouncing around the same sort of races around the same sort of time. And I always just found his uh, vlog style kind of relaxed, funny, and uh, he liked the same type of running uh, routes and things that I was into. So that was a, a motivation on the vlog style. Mm. Yeah, I know uh, managing a YouTube channel, because we do the same. We also put up our videos on our channel. Uh, it, it's a lot of time consuming. Do you do your own editing? One editor to another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, everything, every, every piece of content that I put out, 
I do every yeah, day. So it's not easy. <laughs> it's part of the it's part of the process for me. My background mm. is in is in tech, and I have some qualifications in sound engineering as well. So I've always had an interest in video and graphics and sound and technology, really, and it sort of stemmed from that. So I think that doing video production and running, combining it with running, it's sort of merging my two interests, which is mm. trail running and mountain running and things like that and technology. So I just uh, enjoy it in that respect. I'm curious though, if you don't mind me asking what your full-time gig is, because you're able to move around so much and do this as well, which we know is very time consuming. So what do you do for work? Yeah. Cause you're living our lifestyle or the lifestyle we the want. The lifestyle to. we want. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do have more time now than I than I used to, which is why I, I put out a bit more content. Uh, I'm able to work on more stuff. But I owned a, an IT business, a technology business in Ireland for 16 years, mm -hmm. and I sold it uh, just over. Well, I sold it a year and a half ago, nearly two years ago. Okay. So I I actually have been full time content creation since um, the start of the year nice good for you good congratulations for you. that's a huge achievement well you just created two more Thanks. fans we subscribe to your channel <laughs> to support content creating <laughs> yeah i'm just trying to do stuff that i enjoy doing and i think if you do something that you love and enjoy then it can only improve it can only it can you're just putting out good stuff i think ultimately because you're just going to strive to make it better and every video that i create i'm trying to make it a little bit better than the last one exactly and trying to be a little bit more efficient than the last one and even if i went back 12 months i wouldn't have imagined that i would be able to do five days of daily vlogging at utmb and have them up within a week of the race so yeah. Mm. it's proof that you do get better through practice as with all things in life that's true i, I can't even look at our very first video <laughs> <laughs> i know from where we started to what we're doing now i think we're doing better <laughs> yeah wow this that's has been awesome. awesome yeah it's been great chatting with you aaron thank you so much for joining us yeah thanks for thanks for having me it's been it's been fun i've checked out some of your other interviews and uh yeah, I'm uh, appreciative, appreciative of you having me on the show. <laughs> well, before we let you go, if you've listened to the end, you know we do some rapid fire. So let's get into it just for some fun. Uh, name a TV show that you're embarrassed to say you watch. The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just couldn't take that anymore. <laughs> yeah, we recently gave up The Bachelor. <laughs> but we, we were devoted fans for a while. My wife makes me watch it and now I like it. It's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I think once they changed host is when we gave yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be another hour. <laughs> Do you watch Bachelor in Paradise? Uh, when they all go to Mexico? Not not so much. Not so much. Yeah, I've caught some of it, but yeah, no, I, I just keep it to the, the, main, sh the main show. <laughs> if you could travel back in time, what period would you go to and why? Not your own life, anytime. Yeah, um... I don't know. I think the seventies might be pretty cool. <laughs> they were. I mean, things can get a little things can get a little bit depressing right now. When when everyone played their own instrument, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A simpler time and and still uh, a boom time as well. You know, it, do, it doesn't feel like we're living through any booms right now. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> What's another sport you'd like to excel in? Before really going all in on trail running. I used to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, wow. Nice. And I still really miss it, but I just find that it was, it's, uh, it's like submission grappling and there's a lot of pressure involved in yeah. that. And it's really sore to do that when you've got running legs. And I can just remember <laughs> grappling with really sore shins and it was, it was just really sore, so <laughs> I regretfully had to stop doing that, but I will go back to it in a heartbeat. Okay, nice to know. <laughs> What's your favorite Irish curse word or saying? Uh, in Irish. I, 
<laughs> I don't think I would be discriminant discriminate against against any particular curse word. You know, in Ireland we we tend to have a full and uh, colourful vocabulary. So I mean, we'll just leave it at you do we'll leave it at feck <laughs> and move on from there. <laughs> It t- kind of takes the edge off it. it That's why I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's acceptable. It does. <laughs> In all walks of life, you can, it is. Irish, you can say that and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right, Norm. Pick a superpower that you'd like to have. I, I think everyone would love to fly. Yeah, it's a popular yeah. one. I mean, you forget about the planes. Just be there. Do you, you wouldn't have to pay for the gauntlet to get back down after an uphill session. You could just run uphill and fly <laughs> down free of charge. <laughs> I agree, a hundred percent. Rather than rather than being the Flash, just run up. <laughs> well, I mean, the uphill grind is the, is the best bit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Well, thanks again for your time, and we uh, we'd love to stay in touch with you and see if we can maybe do some collaboration down the road. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, always open to whatever ideas uh, anyone has. So yeah, that that would be cool. Stay in touch. Okay. Awesome. All right. right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye. 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 And that was Aaron Shimmons from Northern Ireland. I love that accent. (laughs) So my favorite. Too bad we couldn't get some curse words out of him. (laughs) That would have really made your day. (laughs) You would have been saying it all day. I would have. (laughs) I say feck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do say feck. (laughs) has a good ring to it. Well, Anyways, I love that he's doing something that he loves. Of course. He's living in a place that allows him to excel at it, which is amazing. Of course. Living the dream. Yes. But I do think he should come and do some more races in North America because he says he loves the low-key vibe, and a lot of them are low-key vibe. Yeah, well, you get that there in Europe, too, because the Swiss Alps only had 300 runners. Yeah, that's true. So That's true. And... Jeez, the way he talked about it was, oh, I want to go there to see it, but there's no way I'm going to do that race. <laughs> My God, 49 hours to complete. Yeah, I'll be in the 48-hour range. Was he in 49 or it's a 49-hour no. cutoff? Cutoff, but he was. He finished in 33 or I something? meant to ask you that, Yeah, to uh, ask him. But. In the 30 hours, he was He was nowhere near in trouble of being cut. So Nice. Yeah, he's a good runner and content creator, living the dream. Check them out, guys. I run over mountains. We're getting closer to 100 episodes. That's right. Yeah, the countdown's on. Who would you want to see or hear on our 100th episode? Let us know. Please do. In the gutterrunracing at gmail.com. Let us know. Until next time. We are your hosts, Jody and Norman. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details and join us on social media at Racing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.